Welcome to the Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Dopp, and on each episode, you will hear powerful stories of one-on-one evangelization, brought to you as a collaboration between Mission of the Redeemer Ministries and Genesis Mission, the Encounters Podcast will encourage you in the Catholic faith, inspire you as a missionary disciple, and equip you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. Welcome once more, everybody, to the Encounters Podcast. It's great to have you all with us, and it's great to be with you again, Michelle. Hi, Michael. Yeah, it's good to be here and to be able to share something more. What's going on in your world these days? Ah, uh, well, we've got Genesis Mission House 2 on, on the go, so up in the north of the country. I told you about that, didn't I? So yeah, that's still moving so forward. That's moving forward, so that's that's really good. Yeah, the Lord has linked us up with a, a bunch of really strong missionary, intentive, in, is that a word, intentive? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, it is now. People who are a point in their life where they're ready to commit all to building the kingdom. And we're seeing people come alive in their faith through the sessions and discovering a missionary vigilance and uh, intention in their lives and, yeah, and changing their lives with that at the heart of it. So it's, it's just great, yeah. So, you know, it's as much about teaching or helping people to live out their discipleship more fully as it is going out and doing stuff because we just want it to flow naturally from people whoever they're wherever whatever situation they find themselves in so it's very it's wonderful to see that happening how many sessions are you leading right now currently well father john and i are conducting seven sessions and the other leaders in our diocese have probably got between them five sessions going on and you know in other areas of the world there are sessions going ahead too so very good yeah yeah it's wonderful and the whole point of these sessions is to form them as missionary disciples inspire them prepare them 100%. but also to get them out there to have encounters with people and we're doing this podcast to be able to share what encounters look like yeah so people can learn from your experience they can be inspired yeah we can know what's possible yeah so if I can just add in there, Michael, but also to learn really to trust in God, which means an increase in faith, to trust that the Holy Spirit is beside us, giving us exact or, you know, within us and coming, we're collaborating with him to so that we have exactly what we need and to understand that the Holy Spirit is preparing people to receive the word that we're, we're offering them to. So it's that it's this greater growth in discipleship and trust that we see in people which we know will have a lasting effect within them and their families and their their immediate um, sphere of influence as well as the people who they meet. John Paul II in Rhythm Taurus Missio said that faith is strengthened when it's passed on to others. Yeah and it's so true that the more we share our own faith with others it's like love right the more yeah the more you give love away, the, yeah, more, yeah, the more love that yeah, you have. Yeah, you grow every time. So I, when people say, I don't have enough faith to go and evangelize, and our response needs to be, well, if you don't have enough faith, then the best thing you can do is go and evangelize. Yeah. Because it's in the doing that you will receive more faith. So Michelle, let's build up our faith and let's hear a story. On Saturday mornings, we try to do some outreach, get out on the streets. 
but we can only do it if the weather's nice. But we've got a church in the city centre, near the city centre. You can only evangelise when the weather's nice. Well... Is that what I heard you say? No, in this instant, in the story that I'm going to tell you. If you could just be patient, mm-hmm. Michael, I'll get mm-hmm. there. If it's not 27 and sunny, <laughs> Michelle watches soap operas. No, that's not true. Uh, okay. No, but anyway, um, it's because we have to work outside because of COVID... We set up a little George Foreman grill. It's really informal. And we do free teas and coffees and bacon rolls, okay, for people. We did this as an experiment, uh, just as a one-off after the first COVID lockdown. And the amount of people that came once we invited them uh, on the street and sat with us, and it wasn't, we expected to just to uh, feed the homeless in a way, but we got all kinds of people, you know, professional couples, students, young people, elderly people, and everything in between. Free food attracts everybody. Well, you still have to invite them though, because we have a sign that says free bacon rolls, tea, coffee, and a chat because you're loved and because we care, and it attracts attention, but they still haven't got the courage to come and sit down. So we actually literally have to invite them, yeah. So anyway, Yeah, so we kept it going because it was so... People were expressing this terrible loneliness and lack of community um, that we kept it going. And we've been doing it now for a couple of years. So uh, the weather's been pretty good recently. So we put a few chairs out and I invited a, a man to come and sit and he said, okay. But everything you asked him or every attempt at conversation turned into a joke. To In fact, it became quite irritating if you know what I mean and even like the the ladies came along and asked him whether he wanted brown or red sauce and he'd make a joke of that so you had to work really hard to get any information out of him but you know I was watching him while the other ladies were asking him and I and I and it really occurred to me that there's this is like a bit of a uh, veneer there's something more going on here why on earth does someone have to just be you know ducking and diving and not really wanting to engage but wanting to engage kind of thing so I prayed to the Holy Spirit and said help me to understand what's going on with this guy and show me his souls basically that's my that's my little prayer you know show me how what's going on with this man anyway so um I said to him you've got a lovely way about you you're very um light-hearted and you know you, you you make a you make lots of jokes and it must be a real gift to people you bring in a bit of you know fun into their lives like that but you know it says in the bible there's a time for everything and I said and I wonder are, are you are you married have you ever been married that's what I said and he immediately said no I've never been married he said and I'm not like this all the time actually when I go to funerals, I'm not like this. And I, I'm like this appropriately. And sometimes I realize inappropriately. And then he launched into this story. And he said, when I was a, a young boy, he said, uh, my mother was very poor. My dad wasn't on the scene. Uh, I wasn't well looked after. I wasn't fed well. I wasn't washed. And I was a smelly kid at school. And the teacher in my primary school used to make me sit apart from the other kids because I smelt bad. And I was, I was really like... Uh, treated you know like an outcast by these other kids and I was sort of object of ridicule and he said and this anger grew in me and he said I know it was to do with my background you know the way I was at home as well and I really I got angry about things and I didn't mix well and all this and the other and he said and as I was always the butt of every joke he said and then as when I went to secondary school I started to grow a bit he said and I and I got into a martial art and I wanted to grow strong and get 
you know, tough so that I could take it out on all the people that had hurt me. And then I left my secondary school and I went back to my primary school and I waited outside and I was waiting for this teacher to come out. And he said, and I was going to fight him. I said, I was really going to get my back now, get his, get my own back for what he'd done to me. He said, but one of the other teachers recognised me. And he must have gone in and told this teacher that I was waiting for him because he never came out. And he said, and I waited there for three days. And, he never, and uh, you know, I went back for three consecutive days and he never came out. He said, I look back at that and I think, thank God he never came out. Because quite <sighs> honestly, I would have probably killed him and I'd have been in a reform school or juvenile jail or something. He said, and then a few years later, he said, I was riding my bicycle through town and somebody threw themselves off a building, he said, and, and landed on the ground not far from me. And I was so shocked. I got off my bike and I kind of looked at them and then I got back on my bike and I rode home. And he said it was on the news and everything. And I, it was a reaction, he said, and I, but I couldn't forgive myself. And I, I, I just it just shocked me so badly and all of this he said stacked up in my life and I can see how it affected me now Michael I'm truncating this because this ended up to be a nearly two-hour conversation so each part of his life we discussed at some length with these experiences you know or and I, I kind of empathized you know with what I was hearing and and so he was okay to tell me more you know, he was just talking and talking about all this. It was just all coming out. And he said, and I think now I'm the way I am because it's kind of a defense thing. It's, it's like the jokey things. I don't have to really think about what's gone on inside me. You know, he, he said, and there's, there's this real darkness there. He said, I've had some help with it, but uh, it's still there within me. And, you know, we talked about how far he's come how he's able to look back on those experiences now and feel happy that he didn't actually hurt somebody or, you know, and his, his regret for not stopping for the guy and the fact that shock makes you do things sometimes that you can't, you know. So we did, we did all that together. And then I said to him, I said, Are you, have you got any faith? And he said, uh, well, I've been to church two or three times now in my local town. And I said, oh, that's good. I said, what are you getting from that? And he said, well, they're a really nice community and the pastor is really friendly. And I've had, I've had a few good talks with him. So I said to him, this is wonderful news because Jesus is the healer and he is the one who is ultimately going to heal all this damage that's happened in your life. I said, but when we go to church, I said, that's the place where we really go to build a relationship with him. And because God is real and he wants to connect with you, he wants you to know him personally. And that's why he, God himself incarnated as Jesus so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. I said, now in the Catholic church, we've got a really beautiful thing because Jesus is actually made present to us on the altar every week or every day, actually, you know, so the Bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ through the ministry of the priest. And then we take that and take Jesus into our bodies. So we, we come to know Jesus in the most intimate way. And that's how he heals us through. We call it the Eucharist. And he, he heals us from the inside and from the outside, too. I said, and the other beautiful thing we've got, I said, is that, you know, I said, you know, you, you've had to do a lot of forgiving in your life, but there will also be people that 
that you will need forgiveness from because you've had a life that is so, you know, so coloured, you know, and, and so much has happened to you and you carry anger and resentment and we all need someone to blame for that, for those kind of things. So there's going to be people who have suffered and you're going to need forgiveness, you know. So in the Catholic Church, we have the sacrament of reconciliation. So we go and confess our sins so that Jesus and through the Holy Spirit can cleanse us and that we can we can start again and then eventually because he died for us that's why he died on the cross for us and then rose again we can be in in heaven and be completely healed and he was like well he was just delighted with this you know and I said at this point I said uh, let's pray together so we prayed about all of everything that he just disclosed to me for complete healing of him and he said his, his final words were I'll never forget this conversation. And, and at that point, you know, I encourage, I couldn't encourage him to come to the church where we were because it wasn't in his hometown. But I encouraged him to continue his journey, to, to talk more with his, with his pastor and to really come, make an effort to know through scripture, first of all, to know who Jesus is. So it was just amazing the way he just opened up and, and revealed so much of his life. It reminds me that everybody has a story. Oh, not, not not every story is as dramatic no. as his story with the abuse that he suffered and the neglect and the wanting to beat up his former teacher. And, but everyone has a story. Everyone has really big things that have happened in their life. Sometimes it's, you know, something that someone has said to you can cause a terrible wound in you that you carry forever. And this lie... You, you take it into yourself and, you know, the devil gets hold of it and makes it worse and worse and worse. And you carry that around with you. And it might have been something that other people wouldn't think was so bad. But you, the way we process and internalize things can really affect our lives. And sometimes speaking that out starts a healing process. And then you bring, you know, the light of Christ into that. And the most amazing things can happen, you know, incredible healings for people. Uh, so needed and like you say there are people walking around passing us by every day who are carrying those wounds and those burdens and it's not necessary we've got the solution we have the remedy for all of the problems in the world <laughs> you know literally given to us you know the blood of the kingdom pumps through us doesn't it and we have to get out there and and to share it with people or propose it just propose it and see if people want to take it on, you know, and then, you know, the, the walk to heaven. I think we've all met people that we, you know there's more going on. Yeah. Right. So there can be... Yeah. People hide it in different ways. So there can be the, the sort of jokey yeah. behavior. Um, there can be deflecting everything, never really kind of answering a question, keeping everything very, very light. And, and that's okay. Like, just because we meet someone on the street, we don't have a right to expect that they're going to share their heart and soul. But we want to create a condition. I think people even do, you can sometimes even notice it physically. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing an old friend and he had a lot of shame in his life. I remember when I saw him, he had this big beard. Now, lots of guys have big beards because that's just kind of the fashion. But my wife and I both saw him and we both thought, as soon as we saw him, that like, it was almost like he was hiding his face. Yeah. It's like he was hiding himself from us. So even even in our body language or how we dress or just the way we kind of carry ourselves can be sort of this hiding. So, yeah. you know, you kind of notice that. And I think we, we kind of notice that. And maybe we take that too often to mean, well, that just means they don't want to share. But it, 
No, it's like that. It, it, it's almost, I wonder if it's more like, I don't want to share with you unless I can really trust you. But, but how do we invite the person to make themselves vulnerable, to open themselves up when they are kind of putting on this facade of either humor or deflection or even in their comportment? Just two things I want to say about what, just to reinforce what you've just said. Well, one, one of them is that I think it's really important to be vigilant to what we're seeing in people. Like you said, the man with the beard. Um, or you could tell so much from the way a person is walking, actually. You know, we have to care deeply enough to want to 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 recognize these things. But we have to be also be careful with it because you can overthink things, you know. So it's never going to be one thing. One thing might be a little nudge from the Holy Spirit, but it has to be a part of a bigger a part of more clues that come onto the horizon. So then then you put it together. It's not necessarily that if someone has a big beard, they're going to be hiding themselves, but it's a possibility. Right. It's a possibility and it depends on how else they carry themselves, doesn't it? It could be an expression in their eyes. It could be a little bit of a not being able to make eye contact or a looking down frequently or, you know, all kinds of things that we assimilate when we become very attuned to the other. This is a big thing about displacing yourself in in favour of the other. So it's not how I am reacting and responding to this person's whatever they're telling me or it's actually why are they that way what is causing that so it's it's being intent on them the whole time instead of being intent on my own feelings about what I'm seeing or experience do you see what I mean that can be quite a shift I think because we do tend to find our place in the world by assessing ourselves against what other people are doing or saying or how we're perceiving yeah. them. It's quite a shift. But we, we do this in the Genesis sessions. So it's a question of giving yourself away in order to clear your, your stuff out the way in order to be able to just give yourself entirely in the present moment to the person who's in front of you. So that's, that's one thing about it. And how do we open them up? Well, the first thing is when, when we've received that knowing, that deeper knowing that then there's a possibility that there's something going on here, you know. We call that the nudge from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit alerts us, you know. We become so attuned, our spiritual antennae get really honed, but there's still a discernment in place because obviously otherwise you get a little bit, hmm, there's something wrong with you. Oh, yeah, so you've got issues, you know. And and we have to be careful because obviously that's that wouldn't help. So how how do we open them up? I think, well, it's like, it does come down to really wanting to under, to know this person. So how do we how do we get to know a person is you have to get past the small talk. The small talk is necessary to get to the core, but really we want to get to the underlying principles of this person. So what are their core values? What's important to them in life? Who are their who are their significant others in their past? Who are you know, so it's learning about their experience and how they've come to be where they are. So you would start with the basics. So I might say something like, oh, are you a local person? And they'll go, yeah, yeah. Have you lived here all your life? Yeah. Oh, where did you go to school? So you start with the really, you know, and then you say, and how was that experience for you? So how were you at school? Or so it starts to open up the the, the person. It's not like being nosy. It's having a genuine interest in this person in front of you and really wanting to, even in a short space of time, just kind of have a more of a meaningful conversation with them. 
And then, of course, if they do open up, you're praying to the Holy Spirit to, to show you how to engage with them and to have the right words and to, to take it deeper. And often you don't know where that's going as you're listening. But in the space where you don't know where it's going, the Holy Spirit can work. I think maybe one of the concerns that some of us have is that people just won't open up. Yeah, it's just not true, though. So there are some people that probably won't open up. But then you you know that. So, you know, you quickly know if someone's not ready. And, and so you take it back onto more shallow ground. And that's that's fine, too. We respect every every person's. But, it, but more often than not, if people sense that you are genuine, authentic and um, trustworthy and sincere and willing to listen, give them time, then they're quite happy to talk. It's not like they'd give you their credit card. <laughs> you know, they don't trust you to that level, but they'll trust you enough. <laughs> I wouldn't give you my credit card, Michelle. So I've seen the type of shoes you go on by. So Oh, it's funny you should say that, Michael. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, well, I won't go there. You've been out shopping again. Eh? It's good, good thing this is audio only. People can't see yeah. those fancy shoes you're wearing. <laughs> Michelle, this is great. I think I'd like to invite our listeners to do two things. The first is to pray for the man that you shared about with us today. Yeah. That he may enter the fullness of the Catholic faith yeah. and experience complete healing, restoration yeah. in the Lord of of the wounds that he's experienced and forgiveness for the ways that he's allowed that to sure. come out through sin and, and hurt others mm. and that the Lord has great things for him. So I would ask our listeners who are listening to this to pray for him. And I would also think the challenge for us from this one is when we're in those somewhat shallow surface level conversations to really see the opportunity and listen to the Holy Spirit for the opportunity to go deeper with them. I love the way that you say the type of question we ask is the how, how was that for you? What was that like? As opposed to just the, the historical details, what school they went to, what year they went, what teachers they had. But actually, I think what it is, is it's going from the objective reality of it to the, more of the subject of how, what was school like for you? So you, you went to this school in 1982. Okay, great. That's objective. But what did so it I mean that's for great, you? Yeah. I think it's a good question. What did it yeah. mean for you? It's a great question, Michelle. So Michelle, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thanks, Michael. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. We are delighted that you joined us for the Encounters podcast. We rely on the generosity of listeners like you to be able to continue to offer this podcast and much more. But we need your assistance. Please click on the donate link in the show notes to see how you can become a monthly patron. Even $10 a month makes a big difference for us. Thank you so much.